and quite warm tomorrow. The high is 85 to 90, although lower near the shore. Fair and warm tomorrow night and most of Thursday. Lows near 70, highs 85 to 90. Your 77, humidity 54%. Winds west-northwest 6 miles an hour. 29.98 inches in rising. THI 72. Top stories in the news at this hour. Cairo sources indicate President Sadat will permit the U.N. peacekeeping force to remain in the Sinai beyond Thursday's expiration of its mandate. Leadership changes in Big Mac. And congressional leaders are seeking a compromise with President Ford on oil price controls to prevent skyrocketing gasoline prices. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, the talk of New York. CIA used itching powder. And according to the uh, quote that says here, uh, this guy was an agency, and he says, my agents uh, used a lot of it. They went to leftist meetings and sprinkled it on the seats of toilets. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, there it is. I mean, I'm not making it up. Yeah, itching powder. That's kind of great. That's uh, what else they... Oh, yeah, they, they had, a, uh, they had a, a drug, see... Not a drug, it's a chemical. It was a chemical that if you dropped it into somebody's drink, it would give him, uh, let's put it this way, an um, unbelievable case of B.O. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, somehow you can't really take an agency seriously that goes around and sprinkles itching powder on toilet seats. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> I suppose if I were president, I could get very angry about that. But I can't. <laughs> Another. Oh, that, that isn't all they did. Uh, they had. Uh, uh, let's see. They had uh, another one of the things they used here uh, was uh, was uh, they had a thing where you, you they went into this. Uh, they had a sneezing powder. See, that uh, they would go to a meeting. You know, some meeting, some. Uh, some, uh, you know, outfit is having this big meeting and somehow some uh, uh, radical type outfit, I suppose. I don't know what they were at, what, what meetings, although I think I was at a couple of card parties where this happened. I mean, <laughs> they had this, uh, this uh, powder, see, and they would put it on the floor. It's very harmless on the floor, see, until people start to walk around. Uh, you know, they just sprinkle it on the floor and it's invisible. And the people start walking around, and within about five minutes, everybody in the room is gasping and uh, snorting and, and uh, sneezing and hollering, and the meeting has to break up. You know, I don't know what the hell. Pork, black. You know, and they say, funny, I say, well, this is terrible. You know, it's. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that, uh, that couldn't be called dirty tricks uh, classification. No, 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 no. That, that would have to be called the practical joke department. Those are all. They've called those pray. I had a friend. Now, let's face it. Uh, there is nobody who is more seriously uh, irritating than a friend 
who is an inv absolutely uncontrollable practical joker. Now, why they call a practical joke practical, I have no idea. Does anyone know the etymology of that word? Why they use that phrase? In fact, I can't think of anything less practical than a practical joke. But they call it a practical joke. You've heard that expression, right? Uh, you know, why they call it? I don't know. It must go back to the 1880s or something when they used a lot of strange phrases. But practical joke. Well, all right. You want to hear what kind he did? This is the kind of stuff he did. Okay. Right. All right. All right. We had this... Uh, one of our accounts, I was working at the television station, had a TV show, right? One of our accounts was Valley Mountain Water. You know, this Valley Mountain, this water that comes in the 20-gallon jugs and all that stuff. Valley Mountain Water, Rocky Mountain Water, Valley Mountain, Bear Mountain Water or something. It was one of these spring-type waters, see? And uh, so, the point about this water was that when we did this commercial, for the, it was done live. The commercial was done live. And all right, you, all right, you think you know what the answer is already, what he's done in it. No, not at all. No, no way at all. So he had this, we had this big uh, dispenser that sat in the back of the set, saying it had one of these great big jugs on the top, and it was an ice thing. And it worked with, a, with a electrical, they plug it in, you know, it was a refrigerator type thing, so you get cold water out, right? But on top of it was a big jug. Okay. So one day, uh, the, uh, this guy was going to do the commercial. And uh, and now what they did, they, they did it very elegantly. See, he, he would break in, that would be in the middle of the news. They'd say, and now here is uh, Charlie Brown for Valley Mountain Water. And the minute they, they'd switch to him live, see, it was on a live show, and he'd say, yes, folks, uh, and he'd go through the routine, you know, uh, healthful, rich, satisfying, delicious uh, water that will make you live forever, uh, 20 years younger the minute you drink it. It's unbelievable. See, and at that point, he says, and you can get it in this beautiful dispenser, and he reaches over and he hits the button, you know, and the bubble goes up, and he pours himself a glass of this fantastic water. And his payoff was supposed to be always taking a big sip of the water. He says, oh, that's really delicious. Yes, you can tell the minute you take your first sip that you're drinking Valley Mountain uh, Billy Goat Water, whatever it was. It's just great, see. So he goes, and one night, I'm sitting there very casually because my television show came on immediately following this, so I always saw this stuff happen. And I'm, I'm over there, the set is, uh, my set is off to the left, and I see the announcer, he's, he's a very elegant man, incidentally. The announcer was a man in his late 40s, looked a little bit like uh, uh, the ambassador of the court of St. James. And uh, they wanted a dignified type, you see. They didn't want any any uh, beer-drinking slob to be drinking that elegant water, see. He's supposed to drink, and he drinks it out of this beautiful goblet, see. So at that point, this elegant announcer, who was of the old school of announcers, you know, there's the old school that says, ah, oh, so delicious. No, no, not the 250-watt school. No, no. You guys keep thinking the old school is some guy with a turntable on each side with the thing with the ear. No, no, that's a cliche, but it's not true, Dave. That the truly old-style announcers were ex-Shakespearean actors, and at no point did they ever stand around with their ear over, you know, the hand over their ear. No way. The elegant uh, announcer who would say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that sort of thing. So <laughs> he, he, he says... He goes through his pitch, and he had real elegance, you know, and he wore this, hey, what happened in there? Somebody got hit. No, he, wore, he wears this, this sort of, looked like a little bit like a cutaway coat. And so 
the, the way the commercial went, he says, ladies and gentlemen, says, uh, many times you probably wished for a glass of ice-cold sparkling water. Yes, says, uh, the bard says, a glass of water has no pareil. Uh, excellent. Then he goes on like this, and he takes the water. He goes, reaches around right back, and, and this big bubble goes, and he, he draws a glass of water. And he just takes the water. He says, it's just delicious, just delicious, sparkling and satisfying. And he takes his, at that point, he goes like that. He just takes a little sip. He always took a little elegant sip. It dribbles down his tie. It goes right down his tie, see? He says, yes. And he looks down, and he says, oh, it's satisfying. And he takes another. He figures he's drinking it wrong. And a funny look came on his face, like his upper plate was loose or something, and he wasn't drinking right. And at that point, I hear the, I hear, I, I hear the director say, quick, take three. I mean, he's cut away from <laughs> the reference. We call that particular announcer, see? And he's in total disarray. Well, little did I realize, well, of course I realized, but little did he realize that Bob Watson had struck again. Just before the show, he had substituted a dribble glass. <laughs> you know what a dribble glass is? You ever seen one? Well, they look just like a regular glass until you try to drink out of it. See, it just keeps dribbling all over you. <laughs> that was terrible. All right. <laughs> well, you, you want to hear the other thing he did? All right, I'll tell you the other thing he did. I don't know how he managed this one. <laughs> I, I laugh when I think about it. This was about a month later. The same poor announcer. He comes on, you know, and, and he's, again, with the water, see. At this point, he turns and he says, Yes, out of your very own ice dispenser, uh, you can draw ice water that is crystal clear and fresh. It is brought to you every week in sealed containers. And he reaches around, he goes, and it goes, bloop. And just as the bubble goes up, bloop, up comes from the bottom a big snake. Just comes up and it floats right up to the top. And he goes like that. And he tries to pretend nothing happened. So he just drinks the water. And apparently the guy on camera either was working in league with my friend the Practical Joker or he didn't notice it. Because there it was, hanging over his shoulder as he's drinking the water. You see the snake swirling up through the... Oh, it was a fantastic sight. It was one of television's greater moments. How he did it was interesting. He had gotten, apparently, I learned later, he got himself a plastic snake. You know, you can get these little plastic snakes. And he had fixed it so it was down at the bottom of the jug, so it was out of sight. And when the water came up, you know, and made that big bubble, it dislodged it, and it just came right up. Right on cue. Beautiful. Yeah, all right, that's, that's called a practical joke. <laughs> Do you like it? No. <laughs> well, all right, I'll tell you another one he did. And before we go into that, let's have a couple of these goodies here. Hit the button. When I hear that music, I remember Mama's. And I remember all that great Italian food. It was Milan. No. I remember the fabulous antipasta, which began every dinner at Mama's. Then I remember choosing between her delicious soups or Mama's pasta. What pasta, lasagna, ravioli, spaghetti, and oh, Mama's sauces. It was Venice. No. And then the main course. Mama Mia, it seemed like it would never end. Veal piccata, asso buco, chicken cacciatore, steak pizziola, it just went on and on. Oh, I remember Mama's fantastic desserts, too. And then finally that cup of espresso or cappuccino. It was Capri. No. I remember all that great Italian food. And when I do most of all, I remember Mama's. It was wrong. No, Mama Leone. 
Leone's. Mama Leone's, 239 West 48th Street. Come to Mama's any night or have lunch Monday through Friday. Come home to Mama's. Mama Leone's. Oh, that's so sentimental. Monja. Let's get a couple of these out of the way here. Everything's growing up these days, right? Including the resistance of roaches and other crawling insects to conventional insecticides. Some of the formulae that used to stop them uh, cold, now it doesn't even slow them down. Uh, you want to hear what kind of language they're writing? <laughs> you want to hear the language? You, a lot of people write to you, you know, and they'll say, say, that's really terrible language, terrible syntax you used. Listen to this line. Now, this is right out of the copy. Some of the formulas that used to stop them, and they make sure you say EM, not stop them. Some of the formulas that used to stop them cold now don't even slow them down. Okay. So much for the International Copywriting School of Illiterate English. Here's good news of an insecticide, especially formulated for insecticide-resistant crawling pests, like your Uncle Harold. It's called Blackjack. It comes in a red and black aerosol can. It's very exciting to use. Blackjack is periodically tested for effectiveness. <laughs> that reminds me of a story. <laughs> I better not tell it to you. No, I will tell it to you. But anyway, if you're having trouble with cockroaches, don't 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 tell anybody about it. Just sneak down to the store and ask for blackjack. Right? Give it a try. Blackjack. Didn't they used to have a gum? No, that wasn't the same company. Please hit the button. <laughs> week after week, thousands of smart shoppers are shopping their nearby Bohack or Village supermarkets. Popularity like this is earned because of consistent values every week. This week, they're having a super summer produce sale. Listen to these values. Sugar sweet watermelon is just five cents a pound. Limit one to a customer. Jumbo size cantaloupes, 59 cents each. Luscious northwestern cherries, 59 cents a pound. And large slicing tomatoes are just 49 cents a pound. How about some Bohack ice cream? It's only 79 cents for a half-gallon container. They've got great meat values, too. USDA Choice Boneless Chuck Beef Roast is only $1.29 a pound. Or USDA Choice Beef Shoulder for London Broil at a low $1.69 a pound. And don't leave without picking up a couple of six-packs of 12-ounce C&C Cola. They're only 79 cents each. It's all on sale this week and only at your nearby Bohack or Village Supermarket. Fly Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico to Mexico soon. Aeromexico, Aeromexico. Aeromexico, the airline that takes you to Mexico City and on to Acapulco on El Grande, our wide-body DC-10. Aeromexico, Aeromexico. Aeromexico is the only airline to offer you first-run movies as well as stereophonic music on your flight down to Mexico City. And to make your trip even better, Aeromexico has over a thousand Aeromexico quality-approved tours to Mexico. There's bound to be one just for you. See your travel agent or call Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico, and fly with us soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sing it out there, gang. 
This is the anthem, right? Someday you'll, Someday you'll own. own us, the mother of us all. Someday you'll own. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Sooner or later. Sing it out. Sing it out. Get your gut into it. Now through July 26, you can get two of General Tire's great radial tires at low sale prices. Get the 40,000-mile dual steel two radio. For, that's the Roman numeral two. For 20, uh, quite elegant, right? Trey elegant. Will you rub that off on the curb? For 25% off the regular price, dual steel two radio, 40,000 miles, and you'll stay on the road for a change. Drop in at the General Tire of New Jersey, 5707 Kennedy Boulevard, North Bergen, New Jersey. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. Yeah, 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 stop it there. Uh, okay, enough is enough, you guys. Uh, New York City can boast of many different and unusual restaurants. You know, talk about it. The city is getting mad. The other day I'm looking in the paper, and there's a place uh, that is uh, advertised as a diet boutique. I mean, it's getting so elegant. Uh, I guess when you're on a diet, you don't even want to admit you're in a restaurant, huh? You're in... <laughs> All right. New York City can boast of many different and unusual restaurants. But if you're looking for a truly unique dining experience, one that combines delicious food with warm and fun-filled atmosphere, get over to Benihana of Tokyo. Benihama serves steak, shrimp, and chicken, prepared and cooked right at your table by a specially trained Japanese chef whose work with knife is sheer artistry. Benihana of Tokyo, located at 5-6th Street between Park and Lexington, on 56th Street between 5th Avenue and Avenue of the Americas. 15 West 44th Street, just off 5th Avenue, Benihana. I, I, just, I have nothing to do with this. I'm a grown-up person. Hey, you know, uh, all right, I'll tell you. I, I'm not going to tell you any more of these practical jokes because it may start a wave of this madness. No, I don't I don't like that. It's really bad news, these bad things. I, I uh, like one time. I was doing a commercial. You want to hear what the, what they did to me one time? All right. All righty, Ro. My commercial involved seal test ice cream. You've all had seal test, haven't you? Well, seal test ice cream... Uh, it was one of our sponsors, and every day the, uh, we had, we had a, a kitchen set. All television stations have a kitchen set. It could be used for all kinds of stuff. And it looks like the, well, it looks like the kitchen set in uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Have you ever seen that, right? looks exactly like that. There's a company that just does kitchen sets. <laughs> and that's it. They all look the same. So we had a kitchen set, and it had a refrigerator that worked. And it had a little sink over there and all that stuff. And uh, it had a, one of these uh, ovens in the wall. It looked real jazzy. It looked like one of these, uh, somebody's uh, dream of how the suburbanite in Darien lived if he could ever keep the dishes clean. You know, it really looks great. <laughs> so anyway, every, every night uh, on a show, uh, they would, uh, I had this live commercial. It was for Seal Test. And it was a network show, by the way. Not local. Which made it even worse. It was a it was a midwestern network that included like fifteen stations all around, and uh, Chicago, Atlanta, and these were not little tin pot stations. See, so uh, there I was, all set. And every day they would come in. The seal test guy would come in, and he would deliver this ice cream. And uh, whatever day, whatever their ice cream was that day, they'd give us the fact sheet. Like today, it's rum raisin, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Uh, yesterday, we had the chocolate pe uh, peppermint. And today, it's rum raisin. Just right for that, you know, and so forth. So, uh, <laughs> and of course, the, uh, the idea was that the, they would deliver rum raisin ice cream. Now, one thing that uh, perhaps you've never understood about television stations is a side effect. Uh, a side, what could be called a, a uh, fringe benefit of working in television. At least the crews. The crew, it's an unspoken thing that the crew eats everything that is delivered. <laughs> That's why every television technician I've ever known is as fat as a pig. He walks around constantly going, <clears throat> you know, he's just, uh, you know, after the cooking show, he's eating seven pounds of mackerel done in uh, Chablis. And, uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, everything, everything goes like that. And, and they have to put padlocks on the ice boxes in, in the television sets because these guys are worse than cockroaches. It is said that it, you can easily get rid of uh, cockroaches if you really try, but there's no way you can get rid of the night crew. Uh, and they, they, uh, they, they're even more intelligent than cockroaches, and they're certainly more persistent. Uh, they'll eat waste baskets, they'll eat anything. See, so uh, the, the TV station would go to great, ex tremendous lengths to keep this thing all locked up. Now, there were only two of us that had a key to this. This was the, uh, yes, this was the production manager had a key uh, to this little refrigerator we used just for the seal test people. It was a little thing there, say, freezer. And I had a key. Okay, now how can you explain this? I'll tell you how they did it. I, I, I don't know how they did it to this day. All I know is what happened. I can only report to you uh, the, the moment of my, my uh, you know, really embarrassing moment. I, I, one uh, <laughs> And they would come in about an hour before the show, the seal test guy, and put the ice cream in. And the floor manager would sign for it. One half gallon of rum raisin ice cream. Or one half gallon of banana nut. He'd sign for it. And it would be put in there and locked up. And it had a Yale lock on it. I had a key. The floor manager had a key. And it was absolutely inviolate. That key did not get out of his hands. Well, all I did was come into the set, and I was stupid. I, I learned this now. It's like a pilot always learns. Don't take anybody else's word for the checklist. You check it. There's always some line boy that says, Okay, don't worry about your Cherokee. I just filled it up. Those are famous last words. That's liable to be the last words you ever heard before you find yourself going through the high-tension wires. So <laughs> you tend to check everything. Well, at that point, I was innocent, very innocent person. And I used to believe in many things. A lot of you have written me and said, Shepard, how do you get to be so cynical? Well, because I have lived a life that is filled with rubber snakes uh, coming up out of the bottom of Mountain Valley stream water. And at that point, you get cynical. You don't get cynical. You get wary. It's, it's not cynical. No, no. No, no. If you if you live if you live in the Amazon jungles, you tend to learn to tread softly. Is that cynical? Is that uh, a bitter-hearted person? No, it is a person who knows about the jungle. That's all. And you just better do this. And here's one of the reasons why I am the way I am. On this night, all around the whole Midwest, on on TV, all over the place, my job. I come in, and about ten minutes before the show, I would open the lock. See. I'd open it up, and I'd look in there to see whether... I'd just open it up, see, to see whether the ice cream was in there. And there it would be setting, see. So I opened it up that night, and I closed it. Everything looked jake, see. There was this ice cream. The freezer was going and everything. So the time came. I had the cue sheets. Everything was ready. 
And uh, this show, this <laughs> this show was called Johnny Jump Up and the Squirrel People. That I was like, yes, I'm sorry, I've done a lot of strange things in my time. Johnny Jump Up was a guy, terrible drunk, who did a who did a a, a kid show, and he was very big out there, and he was they had a high voice. Oh, boys and girls, it's Johnny Jump Up, and it was all over the whole Midwest. It was a big deal, and uh, he came on, and who are those, who are the squirrel people? Well, there were a bunch of these rubber puppets is what they were and they looked like squirrels and they'd sing and they'd dance and play pinochle and all kinds of stuff so it was a great show and uh, I'll tell you what they did to Johnny Jump Up one night right in the middle of one of his cartoons they slipped about 8 milliseconds of a porny film it was a fantastic moment there however <laughs> oh the squirrel people really yelled on that one so on this night well, he didn't see it. He was out there checking his cues, and it went right by, see? And then the phone started to ring. What was that that Bugs Bunny did? You know, and they were yelling, see? People, some of the kids are watching it. That's terrible. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm uh, in the middle of the Johnny Jump Up show, see? So at that point, he says, And now, boys and girls, here's a word from your friend, the ice cream man. Well, I was the ice cream man, and I had this funny hat on. It said, said Seal Test, ice cream man, right? And I had an apron. Oh, I've done a lot of things you don't know about. At which point I said, oh, boys and girls, what do you think today's special flavor is? I said, guess what? How about one guess out there? At that point, the, you know, the kids are all supposed to say, you know, they guess. I says, no, you're wrong. It is rum raisin. Oh, wow, it's the special of the week. And I open up the refrigerator. Just think of the excitement, kids, when you open up the refrigerator tonight after supper, and there's a beautiful half-gallon container full of delicious, luscious... Oh, it's just so heartwarming, this magnificent rum raisin. And I take the box out, and I says, and here's the way you open it up, boys and girls. It has a zip cover. You know, it's got this little, and I go, like that. And with that, I just go, I was, and then I was supposed to scoop out a scoop of rum raisin ice cream, see, and taste it. And the cue up there said, mmm, that is specially scrumptious. See, and so I, I opened it up like that. At that point, the entire box seemed to dissolve. All of the ice cream was totally melted and was soup. It just rolled all over, all over the place. And I, 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 I said, boys and girls, and the camera dollies in. See, I look, glop all over. I'd been had. Okay. It was a funny, right? So, so uh, at that point, I says, well, boys and girls, something seems to happen. It's rolling off the, it, now it's rolling off the desk, and I'm trying to keep it together. It's, have you ever seen uh, an entire half gallon of ice cream that was totally melted? Now, wait a minute. This was liquid like milk. It's going all over the place. Believe it or not, the container kept it. I don't know how they did it. Well, I, the, uh, poor old Johnny Jump Up, you know, he lost his voice for me. He's, well, boys and girls, that was a funny one today, wasn't it? Ha, 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 ha. You know, <laughs> already the SEAL test people were calling up, yelling like hell. You know, Johnny Jump Up, you know, his eyes were sweating. That was his big account. Well, all right, that's one time. That's not so bad, is it? Little did I realize it was merely a portent of true evils to come. They were warming it up. Now, I don't know who it was. I never found out who did this. The greatest, though. Oh, 
right in the middle of the Johnny Jump Up show and see what they did. Every time they had a, they had a, whoever, it was an inside job, it had to be, because they knew the camera angles. They knew what was going to happen in the commercial. The way the commercial went, it says, well, boys and girls would always open up, how, how are you today? It's seal test ice cream time. Oh, boys and girls, and what do you think today's special flavor is, boys and girls? Yesterday it was rum raisin. Well, today it's coconut marshmallow. Whoa! And at that point, you know, they even had a little music they'd play in the background. Da 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 da. See, and at that point, they said, "All right, boys and girls, let's have a great big scoop of that delicious ice cream." And they, the cam would follow me. I'd open the door up like that with my little refrigerator, and I'd take this thing out. And say, "Oh, wow!" Well, I didn't realize what had happened. I just, see, because I was concentrating on the spot. So I said, all right, boys and girls, it's coconut marshmallow. Whoopee. And I open up the box and I reach it and I take the box of ice cream out. And I, I just, without saying anything, you know, didn't even notice, the door of the refrigerator opens up like that. And I pull it out and I'm still looking at the camera. So, and I put the ice cream down on the desk and I hear the crew all around me start to laugh like hell, see? And I, and I, and I look off camera and this guy's... You know, the camera's jiggling. I can see he's flipping, you know. He's laughing. His shoelaces are coming untied and all that stuff. And I hear up in the control room, what the hell's going on up there? I hear him up in the control room say, well, at that point, I look in a monitor. I can't believe what I am seeing behind me. Somebody has put in my little refrigerator, obviously, milliseconds before the commercial was to begin, 1,297 million big, fat, mean-looking cockroaches, which came pouring out. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Now, you call that a practical joke? I mean, practical joke. Obviously, they stuck them in there, see, just seconds before. Who did it? I don't know. Somebody had got a hold of that key. Now, do you want to hear another terrible one? Oh, no, it's just, just, uh, you, you want to hear more of these? Do you want to hear the time that they that they that they aced in on the cooking lady a rubber fish? You want to hear about that one? <laughs> Actually, now wait a minute. She was gonna, she was going to do herring, and they had, they had the herring in there. She she had these herring. You know you know what they do. Are you aware that that most the cooking shows don't cook this stuff on the air? You know. Oh no no no. They cook they they before the show they cook the dish. See, uh, that actually in other words they actually cook it. And then they have the other end of it fixed up. In other words, the beginning of it. So they have two fish. If they're going to cook a fish, they have two fish. They don't actually cook it on the air. So when you see this lady say, and now what we do, ladies, we put the herring, this mackerel. No, it's a mackerel, right? Look at it. Oh, isn't he even nice? Look at him. We just put this mackerel right in the oven, and just uh, 22 minutes later, it'll be ready for the most delicious meal you've ever had. Now, in the meantime, while it's cooking, we're going to get over here and take care of our Brussels sprouts. Well, all right. So, you know, you just get the idea that this thing is cooking. And then all of a sudden, she'll say at the near the end, well, it's time now to take out the, our, our herring. See, and at that point, she just reaches in the oven. And it looks like she's taking out a finished dish, which she is taking out a finished dish, except that it's a completely different one than the one she put in. You didn't see that. when. See, when she's off camera, you know, when the camera's away from the oven, a guy sneaks in and puts in the one that's done. See, she doesn't see it. So one night... Here was, again, this is a big show, everybody's watching, see, and this lady says, now, she says, now we'll put the mackerel in here, the mackerel with the almond sauce, 
add the soybean sauce and chippies dressing. We'll put it in here in the oven now for exactly 19 and a half minutes. You have to be very careful how this fish, this fish, you see, just is, has to be very carefully timed because if you don't time it correctly, this fish becomes very, very tough. All right, now, 19 and a half minutes, the minute we put it in, the oven is preheated to 275 degrees. All right, girls, in she goes. She opens it up, in it goes. She says, now let's get over to our radish souffle. And so she turns around. Yes, we take the radishes now, and she's going on with the radish souffle. Well, I see this engineer sneak in, see, he was one of the crew, sneak in the oven off camera, open it up, and put the tray in and sneak out. This happened every day. See, again, I'm offset, see. And, uh, just before the end of the show. He knew it had to be the end of the show. She says, and now, ladies, it's time to take out our mackerel a la almond. Oh, it's so delicious. We only have a few seconds. Now, let's take a look at this. And she opens the thing up, brings it out like that, and she doesn't even look. She just knows, you know, she's fixed it before. She just takes it, puts it in front of the camera, and there, laying there, is this great big gag ugly fish. It's a rubber fish. It's obviously a fake, and it's laying there, and it's got this guck all over it, see, guck all over it. And she then takes it, and she puts it down in front, and she says, and now, let's just, before we go off, let's slice And she takes the thing, she's looking at the guy, <laughs> and she takes the fork, she sticks it in the rubber fish, and it bounces up. <laughs> she looks at it, and it caught her so completely uh, uh, by surprise. She says, what the hell is this? And at that point, uh... I'll tell you, she she completely lost a lot of points with all the brownie ladies out there, <laughs> the ladies of the... So you say, what the hell is this? And uh, you hear, ha, 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 off camera, you know, ha, ha, he, he, snicker, snicker. And uh, well, there was a funny moment there, and she just puts it back in. She says, well, she bought a great recovery. She says, I see what happened. We left it on a minute and a half too long. I told you that fish... <laughs> all right, now, so, you know... All right, uh, one of the worst I ever saw, that when you talk about terrible practical jokes, we had a newsman, a television again, see. This was a newsman, seriously. He was so dignified and, and so so official. You know, there are certain newsmen that just come on and say, oh, this is uh, Amy Wanami and, and the news. Uh, uh, here's the news. You know, that, that kind. Then there's the nice sort of a apologetic newsman that's vaguely, like Bill Butel, he's vaguely apologetic for all this bad stuff he's bringing you. Then there's the official kind, who uh, somehow gives you the impression that he's got the backing of the United Nations. Uh, you know, it's the Walter Cronkite, and that's the way the world was. Well, you know, that, that takes a big man to say, that's the way the world was. He can put the whole world in like 28 minutes. So that's the official newscaster. Then there's a, yes, and then there's a kind of guy who is the scholarly newsman. That's another type, the scholarly newsman. The scholarly newsman could roughly be, uh, uh, not Harry Reasoner so much, but Howard Smith is more the scholarly newsman type. He looks like, you know, he could be teaching history at a small Midwestern Baptist college. You know, he's the scholarly type. Then there's the then there's the, the vaguely cynical type. There's the one that says, oh, yeah, you know, the kind says, oh, boy, look what they're doing to us today. That's the David Brinkley type. Say, well, my, my friend, any time a newsman uses his middle initial, you know he's official. You know, like, uh, like uh, Clarence K. Smidlap. You know, this is an official newsman. 
so he he was big and is big out in the Midwest. Big, big. I mean, big television newscaster comes out every night. Uh, you know, sort of like a. You know how Jim Jensen is big around here. This guy's a big newsman out there. Somebody did it to him one night. He had his 15-minute newscast. So it was a big newscast, big 15-minute cast. And he would come on every night uh, for 15 minutes. And in the news, of course, he would have his, his uh, usual lead-ins to picture stories. And then he would do what he called his editorial. And now here's tonight's personal view of the news. And he would say, in connection with the Middle Eastern situation, is the views of this department... Uh, you go on like that. It's the editorial, see. So on this particular night, what a terrible, terrible, awful thing. First of all, he wore, most guys, when they're on television, wear a tie. You agree, right? A tie. Ties are very big on TV in the news department. Well, this guy was so elegant, he wore a foulard. Well, now, what is a foulard? Well, let's say a, a, a foulard is a high-octane tie, <laughs> Right? It's an official. It's the kind of it's the kind of tie people wear at the major weddings, you know, very official looking tie. See, and he wore this foulard, had a dark coat, and so on this night. And he was a very official type of delivery. Such things as he would do things like this: "Good evening, Americans everywhere." Well, you know, he doesn't come out and say, "Hi, gang, how are you? Let's take a look at what's happening tonight." No, no, no. "Good evening, Americans everywhere." Tonight, we view the world. And he'd come out with what's happening in the Middle East. There'd be shots of bombings, and then he would go on to this. And, and every time after the shot would be over, he'd look vaguely pained. He looks a little nice. And, and in East Brunswick, New Jersey today, fires swept through a warehouse. And somehow he was, you know, personally involved. Well, <laughs> on this one night, you like the way I do that, right? So on this one night, I'm the only guy that does, uh, you know, other guys do Humphrey Bogart. Shepard does news <laughs> newscasts. So at the end of his newscast, always the last 90 seconds was the high point of the newscast when he gave his personal views. And so he would finish with the news, and he would say, and that's the weather for tonight in the mid-Atlantic states and the eastern seaboard. And now, time for our personal view of the news. It seems to this department... And he, he flips over the page, and you can see he's looking. It seems to this department, he looks up, uh, uh, it, says, it seems to this department in connection with the Middle Eastern affairs that it, I, 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 excuse me, that this, uh, a, little, a little confusion here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a little black <laughs> bork, uh, in, in connection with uh, 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 the newest hobby of crocheting, uh, somebody had, had taken out, out of his copy, just before he went on the air, some really sneaky person in the newsroom had gotten to his script and taken out his editorial and inserted in it the United Press feature called The Woman's World. Now, I don't know whether you've ever seen that feature. It's a feature that comes in, which is rarely used, but it's, it has such things for, for women editors, things like, girls, today we're going to take up the new hobby of crocheting pillow dinghies. Uh, crocheting a pillow dinghy is really very simple. All you have to do is to go, and you know, Harry's got this thing in there, see, and he's got a fantastic audience of 12 million people, and he's confronted with telling them about crocheting right in the middle of the Middle Eastern situation. 
Well, he floundered around, and finally he said, Well, I'll take due to an unforeseen technical difficulty tonight. We will have to uh, revise our usual private world view tonight, and uh, I will discuss uh, the fact that the news today is highly <clears throat> uh, highly uncertain. Uh, I always say that you never know. Harry, he, what's worse, you know, as he's, you can see the guy for the first time is truly ad-libbing, and he sounds, he makes Archie Bunker sound intelligent. He says, well, I always say that you never know. <laughs> That's what I always say. And I, I, I always say that uh, you have to be prepared for any eventuality. You must be prepared. Uh, I feel that our country must be prepared. And I feel that uh, the news is very difficult these days because of, well, there are bad things happening in the world everywhere. And that's my view of the news tonight. Thank you and good night. Americans everywhere. This is H.K. Bullard speaking to you from Central Headquarters. Well, I'll be damned. It's fantastic. Well, I happened to be on the same set at the time. The cameras went off. On came the, the you know, the, the logo. You know, there's always a logo called Action News. The shots of H.K. Bullard, you know, standing on the wing of a plane, looking down at an atom bomb going off. The shots of him on a ship going overseas. Shots of him sitting on an iceberg reporting, you know. And, <laughs> and he got up. He just looked around. He says, if it's the last thing I ever do. He's talking to the crew, all the gay, you know, all the great guys he works with, and the engineers and everybody. Is that the last thing I ever know? Whoever perpetrated this foul deed will be driven from broadcasting forever. I will see that you are driven out of the broadcasting industry. And he got up and stalked out. And I thought it was one of the great moments that I'd ever witnessed in all of broadcasting. Until one night. One of the great commentators in America got canned. I happened to be there. Again, I'm always... Shepard is incident prone. I'm always around, man. I, I, I'm always on hand, really, you know. I, I don't know why, but I've been on hand for some great moments. One night, there was a, there was a scene where, where this guy was doing his last broadcast. And uh, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this. There's kids listening. But he is a big commentator, see, and he has been given the pinko slippo. I mean, he has been told that he can do his commentary down at the Eagle Barn Grill from here on in. He ain't going to do it on their network, see. And uh, he's big, see. And so he, he finishes his broadcast. He says, and tonight it is with a feeling of great regret that we conclude this series of broadcasting. Our commentary has been a source of personal pleasure, and we feel that we have brought some light into the corners of the world that may have puzzled the average viewer and the average person who is living in these difficult times. We wish to thank the network for their cooperation, and as we take this sabbatical to pursue other, uh, other, other personal uh, uh, ambitions that we've always wanted to pursue, we say thank you and good night from one American to another. And da, 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 off he goes, see. At that point, he got up. He stalked out of the studio. And he went right straight out out through the newsroom to the elevators. And he got down to the next floor, which was where the executive floor was. 
He got out of the elevator at the executive floor, walked right into the middle of the lobby, and at that point committed an unspeakable act. Got back in the elevator and went down and never returned to the building. <laughs> I told you I shouldn't have told you this. <laughs> and by the way, I might add that when he did this, uh, his 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 uh, his rating among all the people who knew him went up five thousand percent because all of them had secretly wanted to commit that same unspeakable offense on that same executive floor where other unspeakable offenses were continually being perpetrated, but uh, were called business. Bring it up there, please. <laughs> and so goes tonight's view of the news. And now let us take a look at the editorial content of today's news. My fellow Americans, an open letter to the premier of all of the Russias. Have you considered us, the American taxpayer, in your plans? I say no, you have not. And that is tonight's editorial. Good night, Americans. Nothing ever happens to you, buddy. I just have to be around when it's always that. Ask me about the night I was in the flood. Ask me about that. Ask me about the night I was in the train that turned over. Oh, I haven't told you a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Arkansas River. You want to hear about that? Ask me about the night that the hurricane hit camp when I was in, in the Army and I saw 17 guys blown right out of the latrine. Fantastic. It just sucked them right up. The hurricane just sucked them right up. Just like that. One guy, one guy had a copy of uh, Marvel Comics. He was flying through the air, still trying to read them, you know. And I said, what the hell? It all happened. Oh, oh there's a lot of stuff I haven't told you, gang. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for In Conversation, you hear? <laughs>